Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a couple moments to put the, whatever's going on in your life, just put it to the side right now. Let's just make an opportunity for the Lord to make himself known, reveal himself, to speak to us, each one of us individually, knowing that he's already making himself known to you through your own spirit. If you've been born again, you have everything you need for life and godliness, for living a spirit life, living and moving and having your being in spirit. It's already within you. That means you don't have to do anything to get God's attention. You already have it. He is always giving you his undivided attention. Think about that. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to achieve anything or be blessed or be in a certain state of mind. God is giving you his undivided attention all the time. Now We have a hard time comprehending that, but that's fine. We are using our finite mind to try to understand an infinite God. Now, there may be ways that God reveals himself to us that gives us more enlightenment or understanding. But he can really only be truly known by spirit. And God wants us to know him by spirit, as he is and as we are. Remember, your true nature is spirit. If you're a human being, your true nature is spirit. You're either born again into a living spirit, or you're still dead as a dead spirit. But that's it. You're not a soulical being or based on your mind, your will, or emotions. And you're not a natural being. Those are things about you. Everything regarding your human body, those are things about you. Those are things that you have. You have a body You live in your body, you have a soul, but you are a spirit being. That's your true nature. And that true nature, that true spirit being is already fully immersed in God's spirit. If you've been born again. Your spirit is either on or off, living or dead, 
your spirit doesn't mature and get wise or closer to God. Your spirit doesn't do that. Our soul changes. Your soul will be healed and conformed to your spirit and freed from lies and curses and everything that's holding it back from being united to spirit. Your soul is what changes, not your spirit. And God changes your soul. You can't do it. And it's always a challenge when we get into talking about this, about what part is our responsibility and what part does does God do. Well, God does all of it. And as part of that, he gives us opportunities to learn how to live as a spirit being. He's already made you a spirit being. We need to learn how to live that way. And as we recognize on a moment-by-moment basis that that's the purpose behind the circumstances we find ourselves in, that can then, we can then see God conforming us, conforming our soul to our spirit. That doesn't make you less unique or appreciated or valuable to God, that you are being conformed to spirit, to something other than what you are now. Now your body's just going to follow along with that. There's there's other things we can talk about some other time about characteristics of our physical body that are affected by what's going on in our soul and our spirit and in the time we live in. But really just getting into our heads the notion that God is changing our soul. That's where the challenge is. If you've been born again, your relationship with God is set in stone. It can't be changed. You can't backslide. He's not going to reject you. You're simply a work in progress, and he's the one doing the work, and we enjoy the progress. Now, change is hard. Even positive change can be stressful. That's what God is doing in our lives. He's changing us, taking us from glory to glory, from understanding to understanding, changing in our soul, again, not our spirit. So he puts us in the situations where he can reveal himself as well as where he reveals where we are still trying to meet our own needs. We all have needs, God-given needs, for love, for significance, for value, for acceptance, that, that we don't have to, you know, that unconditional love, that we don't have to meet some standard or accomplish some goal in order to be in God's family. If 
salvation is unconditional, it's unconditional, period. There either, either are conditions or there aren't. Now, God loves you because that's who he is. It has really nothing to do with you. He loves you because he loves. It's like standing out in the rain, you get wet. It has nothing to do with you. It's you're in the rain, you're going to get wet. So when we put ourselves in positions and embrace the training that God is putting us through, we can appreciate and be grateful for the training, for the change, for the work he is doing in us. So that's our part, is showing up to be with him appreciating what he's doing even when we don't understand what he's doing developing that consistency that habit that when he makes himself known we know how to respond that we can overcome any fears we have by turning to him we can recognize his voice simply because we've spent time with him and he has fine-tuned our hearing so that we can hear him whispering. We don't have to wait for him to send a telegram or an angel with a blazing sword to give us a, a message that could have come just through a whisper. Let's, let's strive to be able to hear him just through the whisper. Now, there may be times just for his own pleasure he sends a telegram or an angel with a blazing sword. God loves to do things. He loves to have fun with us, with us, not at our expense, but with us. And he knows the fears you have. He knows the concerns you have. And he knows the the challenges in your soul, in your mind, your will and emotions. He knows where you have wounds, where you're damaged, where you need help. In fact, he created the opportunities that brought about those wounds because there's something about those wounds that God wants to heal. And through that process of healing those wounds, there's a restoration of your soul to your spirit. So we're not talking about learning everything, knowing everything, meeting some goal. It's about relationship with God and a far more satisfying relationship than we could ever possibly imagine. Most of us have grown up in some level of of church or religion And it hasn't been satisfying, so we want more. And God will not let you be satisfied with less than everything he has for you. And the more we acknowledge that and say, Lord, yes, don't let me 
be satisfied with anything less than everything you have for me. Now he then puts his finger on things that we don't always like him doing. But that's your soul recognizing that it's trying to maintain control, getting its God-given needs met its own way. You say, well, if, if God has given my soul needs and they aren't being met, why is it a problem if my soul tries to meet those needs? Because God wants to meet the needs through your spirit. When Jesus was walking around here on this earth, all his needs were met by his relationship with his Father. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't have friends and he didn't have people around him that were encouraging and supportive. doesn't mean he didn't enjoy his life here on this earth. It's just he knew where his needs were met, where his solical needs were met, was in his spirit, which was already connected to his father. Then he say, have, you know, have you been so long with me you don't, don't recognize the father? Likewise, we are being transformed and transfigured into spirit being. But we want to be realistic about this. This is not a, there's an objectivity to the transformation that we have to be aware of or we get so consumed in trying to be something we're not. Just as Jesus walked around this earth and did miracles and transformed lives and cast out devils and overturned the status quo, especially in religious circles, I love that he never did the same miracle twice. He didn't want us thinking there was a pattern. He didn't want us thinking we could do it on our own. God loves to bring glory to himself. But he doesn't need us to do it. He will do it himself. Now, we glorify him and we're grateful to everything he is and does. But that's between us and him. I think part of our challenge is to really develop that personal intimacy and personal relationship that satisfies A lot of times we think that, okay, if we're going to go to all this work, we should have a big ministry or something. Or get a revelation and go on talk shows. Or write a book. Or fill in the blank. Be a guest speaker at conferences. 
God is far more interested in you. Now, he may do some of that, but the purpose of that is to bring you into a greater alignment with him, to become spirit, soul, and body. So this is why we're learning these approaches and these techniques. It's not because they're magic or they please God. It's because we are developing habits that when we find ourselves in the circumstances, whatever circumstances, we have the confidence to know how to depend on God, how to depend on spirit, how to hear him, how to keep from being pressured to be conformed to the things of this world. We learn how to hear his voice, how to recognize his presence, how to have confidence that we're hearing him accurately, how to test what we're hearing, how to deal with our enemies, the world system, our own flesh, solical flesh, and the devil. They're all there. They're not going anywhere. But they're there for us to overcome. Not out of our own strength, but as a solical being. Because remember, as a spirit being, you have already conquered all of your enemies. You have already conquered Satan and all his little buddies. Your soul has already been transformed and transfixed in God's eyes. We're working it out. This is work out your salvation. Your salvation's already in. Your soul, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your soul. It's just we have ex- created such high expectation. We think our soul should be like our spirit. We think our soul should be perfect. God created your soul, gave you the soul he wanted you to have, and it's got flaws. It's got strengths. It's got weaknesses. There are parts of your soul that are not nice, and God made it that way. If you've got a problem with it, take it up with him. Your soul is not your spirit. Just as as your body has flaws, it's the body God gave you. If you've got a problem with it, take it up with him. Don't try to, okay, as soon as I get this taken care of and fixed, then I'll be able to know God. That's, you're just trying to delay having to change because change is hard. Again, God knows that. You're not tricking him. He's not surprised. But what God wants you to know is that it's worth it. Knowing him releases you to be who you are right now. Frees you from the constraints of what your soul wants to do. wants to be, how the soul wants to control your life. 
on the one hand, as we spend more time with him and respond to his teaching and training and do the homework, it's it's an odd thing because at one time there comes a greater discipline, at the same time a greater freedom. This is something you have to experience. We we we'll, we talk about it and then talk about how responsibility and habit and following through on what he's teaching us are all part of developing our soulical character. But also that even if that isn't done, God doesn't love us less. God doesn't change his opinion of us. He loves us thoroughly inside and out, and that's the decision he made. He loves us because that's who he is. He is love. And love as a verb is giving, sharing, expressing himself. That's always a good sign when you find yourself wanting to share and give and express what God is doing more in your life. Those are his, God's basic characteristics, love and giving. And I'm not, you know, again, not talking about money or anything, just what God has put in you, letting it overflow to others. And sometimes it is giving and practical and helping. But we receive and it flows out. Grace is accepting unconditionally what God gives unconditionally and just saying thanks. Then ministry is sharing unconditionally what God has given us unconditionally and just saying you're welcome. There's a simplicity to our devotion to God that, again, that we try to make it complex and complicated because that suits our soul. Our soul your soul is always going to try to find a way out of change, being conformed, even being freed. Freedom is hard. You have to take a level of awareness, have a level of awareness of what's going on within you. And most of the time, our soul is much more focused on protecting itself, protecting it emotionally, historically, relationally. And as we spend more time with God, those things will become less and less important, that we're not afraid of making mistakes or being hurt or being taken advantage of because we know where to go to get healed. When you know how to go to God to get healed, to get your questions answered, it's much easier to try new things, 
to risk making a mistake because he's going to be there. He's not only going to be there, but he has he has created the pathway that you're on. It's not that he's hoping you do the right thing. He's created the opportunities for you that the things you do will be right. So we've been talking about, you know, the presence of God and in practical terms how to relate when things are to the presence of God, when things aren't really conducive to stopping everything we're doing and just giving him all our attention. Because that's, ideally, that's what we want to do, is when we sense his presence, we drop what we're doing, say, Lord, I'm here. Is there something you want to talk to me about? And we go through those eight steps. But there's a lot of times that God is going to reveal his presence, kind of tap you on the shoulder, (coughs) when you can't drop everything you're doing. And he does that deliberately. He's starting to stretch you when when he does that. And the best way I can explain how to handle it is to just put a protective tent or bubble because <coughs> we don't want to push God away but there's times when we can't drop everything we're doing <coughs> so when God does that when God when we're involved in something else you know, I use the example of brain surgery. Say, or you're giving a meeting, you know, you're you're giving a, uh, at a meeting and you're the a presenter at a meeting. You can't just stop everything you're doing and so I have to go out to the my car and sit with God for a while. Can you guys all just sit around and I'll be back? We can't do that. God is also a respecter of the situations we're in that we have you know, have a boss or we have responsibility and a duty and have taken on responsibilities. So he's not, just because he comes knocking during difficult times doesn't mean if you don't answer at that time that you're disobeying him or that you have taken on responsibility that he doesn't want you to have. That may be the case, but that's something you ask him. You don't make any assumptions. But acknowledge that he's present. You know, you're doing the brain surgery. You you recognize that his presence has drawn your attention. You just acknowledge. You just inwardly nod your head, say, hello, Lord. Take a seat, and I'll be right with you. And you invite him to the tent, and you let him wait for you in his tent. then you draw back from what you're doing as far as outwardly being involved in other conversations or other planning. And as soon as you get an opportunity, be ready to make plans to accommodate his presence. You're done with the surgery. 
even before you go talk to the family, for instance, you take a couple seconds and you say, Lord, can this wait until I talk to my patient's family? And you deal with the reality of whatever situation you're in. And you, you communicate with him, and you negotiate with him, and you talk with him. Because the process is what matters, not the final result. If God wanted you to know everything, he would tell you. If God wanted you fully perfected and changed now, conformed spirit, soul, and body, he could snap his fingers and it would be done. It's the process that matters. So we are learning to value the process. Now, the process is hard. It's hard work and it's hard on us. But it's, that's where we get the value. So, again, accommodate his presence. Lord, I'm back. And we, we enter the tent with him and we say, Lord, what's going on? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? But by protecting his presence and respecting that he's come at an awkward time, you're honoring his presence. You're giving it the respect it deserves. And then make sure that you follow up and you, again, you meet him in the tent, the tent of meeting, as in Moses' time, as in the Israel, with the Israelites, the tent of meeting. We meet him there. So this weekend, this week, spend some time and just ask the Lord to, if, if he wants, draw attention to himself at awkward times, at unusual times, in any way he chooses, and start seeing what it feels like, what it senses like when he comes unexpectedly. And we'll continue this conversation next week Feel free to drop me a line at diane at therainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio. And again, we'll get, get together again same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.